know, sometimes it's just that inner self-belief. Sometimes their focus gets off. Sometimes can't let go of mistakes. Um, you know, sometimes they're not stubborn enough. Sometimes they're not coachable enough. So what it, what is it that, that they need and where do they want to go? Um, to answer them that question, like, where do we start? We always start with the building block and that's that motivation that always gets back to what's your why? Why do you play? Hey guys, Vince Drummond here, uh, episode 12 of Making the Turn. Just got back from my chat with Dr. Rob Bell. Uh, we talked at Dr. Rob's office in Fishers, Indiana, a very cool spot, very lucky to have the chance to go over there and talk with him. Dr. Rob is a sports psychologist and mental toughness coach. He's worked with multiple PJ Tour winners, Web.com Tour winners, as well as Olympians. So a very great guy, great person to talk to. He's also written six books on mental toughness. The most recent is No One Gets There Alone. I'll be sure to link the Amazon to that down below. Uh, very excited to get the chance to talk with Dr. Rob, to get the chance to talk through some of the things that he does, some of the things that he believes when it comes to mental toughness and to hinge moments. Uh, also very excited to just get his opinion on how you guys can get better at the mental side of the game. It's one thing that we talk a lot about, but nobody really practices. And so tried to get you guys some good tips and things from Dr. Rob that you'll be able to implement and put into practice to help your own games. Without any further ado, this is episode 12 of Making the Turn. Hats forward. Headphones on. Let's go. All right, this is Vince Drummond Golf, your host of the Making the Turn podcast. Really excited to be back for episode 12 today. Uh, we have a very special guest, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob is a sports psychologist and a mental toughness coach. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Rob. Let's get to it, man. Awesome. Uh, so why don't you start by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself, kind of your story, and, and how you wound up doing what you're doing. Sure. You know, that's why I asked how long this podcast was. I could go for a long time. I mean, you know, I work with athletes and coaches and teams on, on mental toughness. So basically, like, how do we play our best when it matters the most? And the other part is how do we handle and deal with the adversity? you know, the setbacks. I mean, I got into what I did because I was an athlete that just thought too much. And I could never shut off the mind. No one could ever help me out. And when things were good, things were good. But when things got bad, I, I just had no skills to be able to recover from it. So I was an all or nothing player, you know, the worst type of player. We didn't know who we were going to get, right? Could be Adam Sandler, could be Tom Cruise. No idea who's going to show up. And then, you know, when I got to college, I got off on the wrong track. I was partying a whole lot. I had a really bad injury. And then baseball ended. And it was from that moment on that I found out about whether well, sports psychology, like there were people that could help other people perform their best. And I, I just knew, um, you know, when I took that first psychology class as a freshman in college, that that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. So the, the one long story was just, there was a uh, decathlete, Dan O'Brien, and back in the nineties, they had these Dan and Dave commercials, Reebok commercials. You can read YouTube them and they're good commercials. So it took the U S and made us look at the decathlon and root for decathlon. You know, so it's genius. Well, Dan O'Brien's on world record pace, just at Olympic trials, the whole commercials were like, who's going to win gold medal in Barcelona. And at the, and at uh, just the trials, just to go to the Olympics, Dan O'Brien misses in his pole vault. So it goes from first to last. And I had no idea. I was like, how does that even happen? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I cut that article out. I ran into him, you know, uh, four or five years ago, and he got a big kick that I still had that article because it was framed. And that was, he started to go see sports psychologists, you know, a mental coach, someone that would help him with that. And that's same same exact time. That's when I knew what I wanted to do. 
That's awesome. Um, talk a little bit about kind of what you what you are doing now, who you have the opportunity to work with. Are you working with athletes only? Do you work with people in the business world? Are you working with young kids, with professionals? Where are you kind of at in, when it comes to the psychology and sports psychology space? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've worked with the University of Notre Dame. I work with uh, PJ Tour guys. I mean, I've always got a handful of, uh, of players I work with. Um, you know, my real passion is just, trying to help people get that that hinge moment um i mean i work with executives too i mean probably the the most recent thing that we've done is just focused more on parents and mostly on sport parents so what are what are the behaviors what are the things that they need to do and what do they need to stop doing um because youth sports has really just become professionalized and like we ask youth youth sports to do things that pros would never do i mean imagine asking a pro Hey, you got to play four double headers here in three days. Like we'd never do that stuff, right? But we do that with kids all the time. So it's like um, really trying to educate the parents on what they can do has been a has been a real big focus. But I mean, any any kind of elite athlete, man, I just love working with. That's awesome. Um, and so when you work with juniors, kind of going off topic a little bit, but yeah. just relating it more to the golf fitness side of things, which is kind of the world I'm from. We're trying to get kids to do as many sports as possible, not necessarily specialize early. Right. Um, just be competitive and be athletic. From a mental standpoint, do you think there are benefits to that as well, trying to getting out of that professional track mindset and not focusing on one sport from I mean, no, the time you're six? Yeah, no question. I mean, even, you know, most people are going to talk about, um, you know, biomechanically, which I think is important. I think, you know, no matter what, we need to be an athlete. Being an athlete means that you can pick up a basketball and be able to play. You can pick up a, a baseball and be able to go play. You know, you can run, swim, jump, all those things. So those those skills transfer over, right? All skills transfer. But I'm more interested in the sporting IQ that, you know, you, by playing a team sport, you know, you learn how to communicate. You learn how to be a leader. You learn how, when you need to focus on your role. And you figure things out right? Like we're part, we're playing a pickup game of basketball. We police ourselves and we've got to figure it out, right? There's no coach that's going to be able to tell us what to do. And that's the beauty about sport is it teaches whatever we want to teach. So what I'm so passionate about is like um, this, this skill about creativity is, is getting killed, right? Because what we do as parents and coaches for that matter is we joystick mentality, right? We're like, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to do it. When stuff goes bad, they can't figure it out. And I see it at the collegiate realm, uh, collegiate level now, you know, they can't figure it out. When stuff starts to go bad, they've never had to figure it out. We've never asked them. We've just been giving them the answers all the time saying, here's what you need to do in order to be successful. And it works up to where it doesn't work. Right. And you and I both know, I mean, sport is not going to go according to plan, no matter how well prepared you are. You have to be able to make adjustments. And that's the part about we can play different sports. We figure these things out. And that's the part about being an athlete that's so important. Definitely. Um, I think it's obviously important to kind of understand what's going on mentally and, and how things are going, um, kind of understand your own thoughts and, and be able to take an inventory. But as you kind of start to work with an athlete from the very beginning or you have someone, maybe they come into your office and they're brand new, they're looking to solve a problem, how would you kind of describe what you do or, or your training style to someone who has never worked with you before or known anyone else that has worked with you? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Um, so I think there are two types of players, right? There's going to be eight out of 10 athletes that contact me have a problem. They have a pain. 
fix it. And that's fine, right? Like we get in there, we, we fix it. But then there's two out of 10 athletes that those are the ones I'm real passionate about because these are the ones that, hey, I'm not reaching my full potential. You know, I know I'm not, I'm still missing this. Um, and the motivation's there. What can I do? And then from that, that's where we come up with that mental game plan. I mean, everybody's demon is a little bit different, you know? So I never, it never really comes, I mean, sometimes it comes back lack of motivation. I don't think that's it, you know? Sometimes it's just that inner self-belief. Sometimes their focus gets off. Sometimes can't let go of mistakes. Um, you know, sometimes they're not stubborn enough. Sometimes they're not coachable enough. So what it, what is it that, that they need and where do they want to go? Um, to answer them that question, like, where do we start? We always start with the building block and that's that motivation that always gets back to what's your why, why do you play? I don't think a lot of times that they're really in touch with why do I play? Even if they are, their, their why has changed. So if it's a really good 16 year old athlete, right? Really good 16 year old golfer, their why is not the same as what it was three years ago. It's not the same as what it was when they first started playing. They've got to be able to be in touch with that because when you come up with the why, you figure out the how. And that's the part where no matter what, we're always starting. And then are they willing to do the actions and behaviors and thoughts that get them where they want to go? So for example, keeping a notebook and keeping that journal is their ticket in to see me. Because if they're not keeping track of you know, their thoughts and their feelings about how, when they're playing and when they're doing well, success leaves clues, right? I can't tell somebody who's shooting sub 70 how they should be thinking. You know, I really can't. I'm not Nick Fowler, right? I've never done that. Now, I've competed my whole life, but still, even like finishing Ironman, that's not competing at the highest level of what Ironman do, you know? So they have to be able to coach themselves, and that's part of like what I think of any good mental coach is helping them figure it out their, their own path. You know, they have to be their own best coach. And even by having that notebook to be able to go back and look at it, what was I thinking when I was playing really well? What was I – you know, what was, what did happen when, you know, I choked under pressure? Where did my mind go? What I started thinking about? And then they start to then be able to coach themselves. That's basically all I do. Awesome. Um, and so when you have someone new come in, obviously it's, it's different with everyone, but mm -hmm. you said the first thing is trying to find your why. How yeah. difficult is that for some people to do? I mean, I think when you look at, at golf, but really any sport, whether they're pushed by their parent or they just do it because other people were doing it, some kids get very good and don't really even know, like, why they do it they just kind of do it because they're told to yeah you know and that's the thing like i try to tell them there is no there's only one bad why the only one bad why that i've ever come across is i'm good at <laughs> and because that's a really really dangerous spot you get so good where now you can't quit right now you're trapped you know being able to navigate the, them through their why just always gets back to that. i think it goes three levels deep i think if we really uncover it, it's going to get back to uh this is part of my identity this is how people recognize me. And we want the, we want the pats on the back. You know, who doesn't want that? The only problem with that is it's not deep enough. You know, it only goes so deep. And so when you can then look at that, be like, you know what? Yeah, I, I do play because I like the adulation of walking on the course and having people recognize me. If we can get deeper than that, then they can reach their full potential. If that's it, um, then they've got to be able to go deeper. And that's the part where we really get into that whole mentality of why do I do what I do? Because there's not a more infectious drug than get the pats on the back of, wow, like you're so good. That's so great. You know, success has a thousand followers. You know, when you win, the amount of people that text you on how well you did is unbelievable, right? Yeah. How many people text you then when you don't play well? A couple? 
So failure is an orphan. And that's the part of we are who we are when we're alone. We really got to know what it is that and why we do what we do. Awesome. Uh, let's switch gears just a little bit more yeah. into like the mental toughness side of things. I know a couple of your books are focused almost solely around mental toughness. Um, and obviously, I think there's a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different views on it. Uh, just kind of describe how you view mental toughness. Do you think some people are born into it? Do you think everyone has to develop it as a skill? How do you view mental toughness and what it kind of means to you and the training that you do? Sure. Uh, I think a couple of things. Uh, one, mental toughness is not going to win anybody a championship. You know, you can be the most mentally tough player, but it's more of those if you don't have it, it will lose it for you. I also look at mental toughness. I think there's a big stigma around it. I think mental toughness, when we think of that, we think one, physical toughness, and two, I've got to do it on my own. It's something I've just got to pick up my bootstraps and I've just got to plow through and do it. And I, I, I just don't agree with either of those. I think physical toughness is part of it, but I really think mental toughness is being when I ask for help. I think mental toughness to be able to say, look, coach, you know, I'm struggling. I need, need some help. That's, that's tougher than saying, no, I got this. Um, mental toughness, I think it's caught more than it's taught. So I think there's going to be that experience that now it becomes a fish or cut bait moment that we either are or we're not. And, you know, we're either going to keep persevering and have that persistence or we're not. We're going to pick a different path. And what I mean by that is, I mean, it might sound harsh, but every, every successful person I've come across, everyone without fail, you minus the absolute 0.0001%, right? So the names that you can think of, eliminate those, the best in any kind of sport. Every single one of them were told this. They were all told, that's a dumb idea. You can't do it. You're going to do something else. You're not going to be successful. They were all told that. I see it all the time, coach. So it's like, what did that do? Well, that was that moment where they're like, I'll show you. And then from that point on, then they've used that as like fuel. And now that's, that's, um, that's a motivation, right? But they all use that to their advantage. It didn't, it didn't burn them up. What's the alternative? Yeah, you're right. I can't do it. So I kind of get off on those tangents, but it's like, look with mental toughness, it's caught more than it's taught. Like that's going to be the, the piece where, um, we're either going to get it or not. There's no way you can be mentally tough without facing that adversity. I just don't see it happening. Um, so when we can experience uh, these adverse moments as we're growing up, that's going to teach us more about ourselves. And then when we get in more pressure situations, we know where our mind's going to go. You know, we know how to be able to handle these kind of situations. Um, the other part about mental toughness, I mean, I talk for hours just on that. <laughs> it's not all or nothing. You know, too many people think it's all or nothing. Like, I either have it or I don't. It's a wrong way to think about it. It's how much. You know, some people are really good at letting go of mistakes, right? Some people um, are really good at never giving up. You know, so there's a lot of different factors that kind of go into it. I look at it like you got to know what your strength is on mental toughness and then be able to utilize that and tap into that skill. Awesome. Um, getting a little bit more specific with some of the stuff that I know you're doing, one of the things yeah. that, that you're really big on is the hinge moments. Uh, just talk a little bit about what that is, what sure. you would define as a hinge moment, and then why they're so important as you kind well, of look at pl the players and people that you work yeah, with. No, I appreciate you setting me up for that, man. Um, <laughs> that's where I look right. <laughs> um, so every door has a hinge. A door without a hinge is a wall. It just doesn't work. So with the hinges in our lives, like if we hear about a door opening and closing, 
uh, if we hear about a rusty door. It's not the door that's rusty, it's the hinge. So what the hinge is, the hinge in our lives, it's that one moment, it's that one person, or sometimes that one decision that can make all the difference. So it connects who we are with who we become. Problem is, is we just don't know when that's coming. You know, tragedies, the really bad stuff that happens in our lives, those are immediate hinges because from that moment on, everything's different. But the beauty about mental toughness and when I look at the importance of it and even mental strength and mental health, right? It only takes one. It takes one shot to turn around the tournament, right? It takes one, one blade of grass to hold that ball up. Um, it takes one tournament to turn around a season, one season to turn around a whole career. That's what we're getting ready for. We just don't know when that's coming. So that's the whole importance of mental toughness is we're always preparing for those moments that we don't know what it's going to look like or when it's going to hit. We might not even know right then is when it happened until weeks, months, years later. But that's what we're preparing for is those moments. So when that moment hits, it's too late to prepare. Like we've got to be ready. Awesome. That's what the hinge is all about. Yeah. Um, and then just talk a little bit about maybe one of your favorite hinge moments, whether it's your own or somebody that you've worked with without naming any names, but just like a, a cool story where you kind of saw that all come to fruition and, and something that happened that you were like, wow, this is so cool. Like kind of that, that moment. Yeah. I mean, I think there's uh, I think there's famous examples. Um, I mean, I could think of some of my personal, I've, I've, I've got some that I, that I always share. I could think of some of my athletes I've got in, um, you know, some of their hinge moments. Um, I'll, I'll share a professional one. So I'll share one that everyone can relate to. So is this one, um, and this is okay, quick story. Yep. All right, quick story. <laughs> uh, the best basketball coach of all, all time. Who is it? Um, switching it on, right? Yeah. Best basketball coach of all time. That's a broad question. Uh, let's say Mike Shashevsky, but I don't know if that's right. What about, okay, what about uh, dead? <laughs> Still a tough question. 88 straight wins, 10 national Oh, John Wooden. Okay, so Sorry. John Wooden. Yeah, that's my fault. When we're in Indiana, I thought it was – my bad. No, you're good. That's my fault. <laughs> I don't like I don't like flipping the script on that. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Keep so, doing my toes. So, John Wooden, right, he's an Indiana guy. Um, so, he finishes up at Purdue, um, and he's going to be the head coach at Minnesota. So, he's going to get a – he's a Midwest guy, right? So, I want him to stay in the Midwest. He's going to get a call from Minnesota at 5 o'clock. Now, he's going to get a call at 6 o'clock from the school out west, UCLA. And at 6 o'clock, he's going to turn him down. So he had this all set up. 5 o'clock comes, there's no call. 5.30, 5.45 comes. 6 o'clock comes, there's a call. It's UCLA saying, Coach Wooden, we want you to be the head coach of UCLA. Figuring that Minnesota backed out, he says, I accept. 6.15 comes, and there's a call. It's University of Minnesota saying, Coach Wooden, we're so sorry. There's a, a blizzard up here. Our university official could not get to the phone. We still want you to be a head coach in Minnesota. And being the man of integrity that he does, he says, I'm sorry, I already accepted the job at UCLA. So, bam, hinge moment, right? So he said, if God hadn't intervened, I would have been the head coach in Minnesota. Well, there's so many layers to that because would it have still been the same? Well, what if never happened? He, he wasn't the coach at Minnesota. He was the head coach at UCLA. So we don't know that stuff. And the other part is like, um, you know, what he said. You know, we, there are these moments that we can't predict. But if he would have re reneged from that commitment, what would have still been the same, you know? And that's where I mean, you look back at, you know, Tom Brady's career, so many hinge moments in that one, right? That 
um, to be the greatest of all time, things have to go your way. So I love that one because that's always like an amazing hinge moment. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I didn't actually know that story, so yeah. it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, let's switch more to the focus of, of the podcast a little bit, to the golf side of things specifically. Um, talk a little bit just – in general, I know obviously you hear everyone say how important the mental side of it is, but yeah. in your estimation, obviously doing the things that, that you're doing, just kind of describe the importance of the mental side of game to golf, especially golf at, at the highest level. Man, I mean, golf at the highest level, the better we get, the more important the mental game becomes. Um, and then I think the better we get at the highest level, I think mental toughness is more important off the course than it is on the course. And what I mean by that is – even all the preparation that we do, being able to time management, being able to not focus on the expectations or the pressure, and then just being able to play. Um, you know, then a lot of distractions I have. Um, people always want ah, just five minutes of your time. That, that leads, up, leads up a lot. Um, so I always think that the more important that the better we get, the more important mental toughness is off the field than it is on. You know, the other part of that mental toughness, I mean, one of the big misnomers I always hear is that sports is 90% mental. I, I disagree with that. Um, I don't like that one. It gets thrown around all the time. Why do I disagree with it? Because I think it's 90% physical. I really do. Now, what that means is that I'm watching something physical happen. Like I'm watching people hit the golf ball. I'm watching their mechanic. How do they practice? They're practicing 90% physically too. So why do I say that? Because – what I think it is, I think that last 10% is mental. But if that last 10% isn't solid, it doesn't matter how good the 90% is. So they can have the whole 90%, but that last 10%, that's, that's what unlocks the other 90. And that's what I look at. Look, it's 10%, but it's the most important 10%. And that's, that's the part where I look at it as, um, you know, how important that mental game becomes. Because let's face it, man, if the drive in there, if the confidence in there, the self-belief, if, uh, if the focus isn't there, you know, under under stress and under duress, if you can't let go of mistakes, um, doesn't matter how good the 90% is. It's not going to come out. Definitely. Um, talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the common things that you see in golfers. I know, like, for example, if we look at the golf swing, most golfers fall into the same categories and swing characteristics. If we look at more my side of things with the golf fitness side of things, you see a lot of the same body limitations when it comes to golfers because of the repetitive nature of the swing and all the different things. Is it similar on the mental side too? Can you see there are certain things maybe that, that golfers tend to struggle with a little bit more just in general? I mean, I think so. Um, you know, one way or another, it always gets back to confidence. It really does. And confidence, again, it's not all or nothing, right? It's not I have it or I don't, but that's the way that they think about it a lot. And so what I mean is that, you know, there are some, some athletes that are just overthinkers. You know, there are some athletes that, um, you know, really do not let go of shots well. Well, why do I say that's, a, that's an indication of confidence? Because if you show me an athlete that's really confident, I'm going to show you somebody that lets go of mistakes, they don't let go of mistakes because they believe that every, you know, everything has to go my way in order for me to play well. So with that confidence, it's, it's just having that underlying belief that, that I'm going to be able to focus and be able to execute my game plan. You know, I don't have any control over the results, but that's the part of having confidence in the things that we can control. Um, one way or another, it always gets back to that. You know, if 
body language gets back to confidence or focus gets back to confidence and the way that we get confidence through our focus. So, um, how we focus is what builds our confidence and then how we refocus is what just reveals our level of confidence. So it always gets back to that. Man. What do I, what do athletes think about when they're playing their best, right? Nothing. Well then why are we trying to fill it with a whole bunch of things <laughs> when you know, we're just not feeling our best? So that's the part where it gets back to that, that belief, that trust in ourselves. Awesome. Um, talk a little bit about maybe how you train or how you work on some of the skills that are required to be able to have that mental toughness, to be able to have that confidence. What are some of the things that, that you do with your clients to kind of help them get sure. to that next level? Um, well, I always say we play like we train. And so how are we approaching life? How are we approaching our sport? Um, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier is just with that notebook. That notebook is just a baseline. It's something that everybody can do. Are they really keeping track of uh, my success leaves clues, my behaviors, my thoughts when things are going well? Um, and it's a lot of time. It's this mental game is about subtraction and is addition. We're just trying to remove stuff that doesn't help. Um, that's always a big one, man. I mean, working on the focus skills, how do we focus under pressure? Um, and then no matter what, it's just how do we navigate that when we do fail? You know, every pro athlete that I've worked with has failed under high stress environments. You don't get to that level without having that. So when we fail along the way, like, is this a bruise or is it a tattoo? Is this something permanent or is it just on the path to be able to get to where we want to go? Because no one wants to fail and it's really, really painful, but that's the only way to be successful. So what I see is that those that fail, they don't allow it to get to their heart. You know, they don't allow it to affect that confidence so deep to where now they can't be successful. And that's, that's that key. Definitely. Um, are you spending a lot of time with your golfers on the course, on the practice tee? Are you doing most of oh, your man. stuff in the office? Where are yeah. you kind of spending your time when you're, when you're working with these players? Well, with my pros, man, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything, but I mean, I always like to tell them like, I want the office, man. I want, I want to be on the golf course. That's the best <laughs> office there is, right? Um, but just being able to walk walk that journey with them as well. Um, and be able to walk practice rounds with them is important. Um, you know, that's why I've caddied so many times. I like to um, – I love to compete, man. So, I mean, I love being in the mix. And um, just, you know, I always think it's, it's not so much what happens, like, in the sessions or in those conversations. It's just the side notes. And – when you can see things that bother them, why does that bother you? You know, um, the most difficult thing is like, I can't coach myself. Maybe you can't, I can't coach myself, <laughs> no. you know, but if I can have somebody on that journey with me, it's the same thing as what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, we can be on that journey with them. It's just somebody that can help ask the right questions and help reflect and uh, coach themselves. Definitely. That's awesome. Um, so are you playing golf yourself these days? Do you, do you like to get out and play a little bit? Man, I do. I love it. And my son, um, I love it, and it, it is the most difficult thing for me as well um, because I struggle with the refocus. I don't struggle with never giving up. I don't struggle with the preparation. Um, but, you know, I can go for a 15-mile run. It could be a bad run. I'm still going to feel good at the end of that. I go and I play and I shoot 86. I don't feel good about it at all. You know, but what keeps me there is because of the challenge. Um, and my son is really getting into golf and it's so much fun to be able to go on that journey with him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when the weather certainly gets nice, I mean, but 
same thing. I got to make it a priority. Definitely. To do it. Definitely. That's so cool. And I think it's, it's really awesome too. a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast, whether it's fitness professionals or uh, instructors, I think it's so important for you to be able to go through those same experiences as well. Um, oh, yeah. For me as, as a college coach, I know it's a super big benefit for me to still be competing in tournaments because I know what my players feel like when they step on the first tee and they're yep. super nervous or they come down the stretch with a chance to win. Um, and so definitely love to see people in the business still getting out and playing golf because oh, yeah. it's a very easy thing to tell someone to do something. But when you get out there and have to experience it yourself, there's a lot of times where you're like, oh, this isn't as easy as I think it should be. I mean, that, no, and I, <laughs> it's the toughest sport that there is, no, no question. Awesome. Uh, so tell me a, a story real quick. Dig into the memory bank. Talk about one of the coolest experiences that you've had the chance to do as a result of the work that you do. Could be in any sport with any athlete or just any situation in general, but just based off of the career you've had, the things you've been able to do and the people you've been able to meet, what's one of the, the coolest experiences you got a chance to be a part of? Man, I mean, you know, spend an entire day, um, uh, with Tom Watson on the on the course, watching him play, watching him gamble and win, um, was was great. Um, but the best experience professionally was just having my player win on the PGA Tour and then spending the whole week at the Masters. And this is how incredible it was. Like every single day, I got to ride up Magnolia Lane. I mean, it's a sacred place, you know. And this is how great it was. The very last day, I mean, makes a cut, plays, you know, finishes twenty fifth, plays great, and. Uh, the very last day, we're all going our separate ways, so I had to go in general parking. And I was like, man, this sucks, dude. I mean, that's how incredible the experience was, right? Like, man, I just complain that. Now, I didn't complain long, but it's like, man, dude, I really got some general parking. I'm going to be back, man, where players are parking. Like, that's the best. Um, but just to be at the Masters, um, you know, the entire week was, was probably the best professional Awesome. Um, and we'll get into more of your content stuff a little bit later, but real quick, just want to talk on your podcast, 15 minutes of mental toughness. Yeah. Um, I know I enjoy listening to it quite a bit, but just talk a little bit about kind of what it's about, what you talk about some of your guests maybe, and, and then some of the things you just enjoy about creating the podcast and, and being able to be a part of that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Vince. Um, I mean, what I talk about is just mental toughness, you know, define it for us. What is it? And then talk about your hinge moments. So, I mean, I, I'll speak with anyone from, you know, uh, triathletes, uh, Ironman, um, people that have won the PJ Tour, coaches, caddies. Um, that's who I usually talk with is just athletes, coaches. Um, and, I mean, it's just – it's the variety of – I mean, so many different fields, and there's always that common theme amongst mental toughness, and that's how we deal with that adversity. And I love it. I just love being able to share the stories about people that have overcome these significant challenges or that have set these challenges for themselves and they've achieved it, you know, and what that whole process was. I mean, my favorite part about it though is just being able to learn from them because I love interviewing people. Well, let's just go ahead and make this podcast. And um, it was always an idea. I, was, I always felt I was late to the podcast game, um, but just be able to have those intimate conversations with people, I think is it's so much fun. Yeah, definitely. It's so cool. And I think for me personally, like obviously being a coach who's a little bit younger and uh, all the things that, that I've kind of done, one of the ways that I really tried to learn a lot was just through talking to other people. And I think it's kind of the same thing now that, that I've started the podcast and doing that kind of okay. stuff. Just getting to, to talk to people and learn helps me get better as a coach, but also helps me get better in my golf game and all the other things. So it's definitely been a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, perfect. So we're on to uh, a section of the show we like to do now called the Twilight Nine. So a little bit more fun. Uh, we compare it to trying to get out on a summer's evening and play nine holes before the sun sets. So nine questions. It's a, a great time. <laughs> it is, yeah. Nine <laughs> questions, rapid fire. Uh, first thing that pops into your head, just go ahead and spout it off. Lowest tournament score? Lowest tournament score was a 78. Okay. Uh, Go-to pre-round meal? Um, Chick-fil-A. Nice. Favorite on-course snack? Um, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> or, I, I mean, I would go, I mean, some kind of protein, man. Yeah. Pair, uh, peanuts. Uh, pre-gym, or for you, I know you do a lot of triathletes, so pre, like, workout pump-up song. So, my song, and this is before I'll ever speak or anything like that, and it's changed a little bit, right? But my song uh, is Waiting Room by Fugazi. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, any of the listeners, go and get that one. That's so important. <laughs> Your hardest or your least favorite exercise in the gym? You get to choose which one. Um, so my hardest exercise is not my least favorite. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, they're just I do every I do everything from from pull ups to push ups uh, to core work to swimming to biking and running. Um, the only part that I don't do is. And this would be like some of my weightlifters really get mad at this, but I just don't do uh, squats anymore, and I don't do hang cleans. I don't do those, you know, because those are just tough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, those are probably yeah, those are the ones that I don't do. Those yeah. are full body. Definitely. Um, all right, so get to the course five minutes before your tee time. What do you do before you head to the first tee? Just ask them what the course record is. <laughs> the first tee is man. I mean, nice. I, yeah, you just chill. Just I love go it. Up, right? I love it. Uh, what's your golf brand of choice? Um, my golf brand of choice would be Second Guy Golf. Okay. Uh, what's the best movie of all time? The best movie of all time? Can it be a couple? Yeah, sure. All right. The best movie of all time is The Natural um, and, uh, and Casino. Okay. And then what's your favorite sports team? Any, any team that's hired me. <laughs> love it it's my favorite love it awesome that is our twilight nine a fun little segment we like to have on the show just to help people get to know you a little bit better get to understand you uh real quick before we let you go yep. a couple questions just to really try to help the listeners out um what's your number one advice for junior golfers and and their parents what are you kind of i know you're doing some stuff with that right now with some speaking engagements and yeah. stuff like that so what's your advice to them what are you really trying to focus on when, when you go talk to them um you know it is a big passion of mine um the the thing is it's not who gets there first it's who can get there and stay there so you know if somebody if your kid hasn't even reached puberty you don't know how good they're gonna be and you still don't know how good somebody's gonna be until they kind of have that hinge moment so we got to be able to trust that process and just stay focused on getting better every day that's it don't worry about winning rankings or stroke average certainly not stroke average ever awesome uh, and then what is your advice for players who are looking to kind of take their game to the next level whether it's a high school player looking to play in college or a college player looking to play professionally or even just your kind of weekend warrior who's looking to get into single digit handicap for the first time what's what's your advice to help you on the golf course um well two things i think one like the better we get, the mental toughness is more important off of it. I'd ask him this question, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? Because something has to give up if you want to reach your full potential, period. You, there's no way around it, you know? And that's not bad. That's just got to be able to 
willing to give that up. Um, because to reach the level that you want to reach your full potential, you have to do it every day and you have to love to do it. If you don't love to do it, don't do it because I mean, it'll just wear you down and at some point and then you just throw up your hands and quit. Awesome. Uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah, so man. much real quick before we let you go, just let people know where they can follow along with you, where they can see some of your content and, and be able to kind of catch up with what you're doing. Sure, man. I mean, the, the podcast, 15 minutes of mental toughness, um, on Twitter, you know, it's at Dr. Rob Bell, Instagram. Um, and then my website's just drrobbell.com. Awesome. All of Dr. Rob's stuff will be in the description box down below on the YouTube video. Uh, once again, just thank you so much right, for man. coming on. It was a lot of fun and really enjoyed it. Thanks coach. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. Big thank you to Dr. Rob for helping us out, for letting us come into his office and record a podcast. Uh, really excited to be able to continue to follow along with him on social media, as well as his 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness podcast. Uh, also, if you guys are interested in getting better at the mental side of things, be sure to hit up Dr. Rob, uh, whether that's through his website or through his Instagram. Also, be sure that you read some of his books. Like I said, he has six books out, uh, and they're all really good, very good and helpful when it comes to mental toughness, when it comes to understanding how to be a better player and how to have more confidence in yourself. Uh, he also has his latest book out, No One Gets There Alone, which talks about building your team, which is what we talk about a lot on the channel, having a team that's going to support you and help you get better. So thank you guys so much for tuning into the episode. Uh, thank you guys for the continued support. Really excited that we've been able to have some great guests on. This is the end of season one, and so we're going to take a few weeks off from uploading the podcast just so that we can get it transformed into all audio version uh, and then from there we'll be up and running again in two weeks starting episode two which is episode 13 of making the turn it's been an awesome first season can't thank you guys enough for the support really look forward to seeing you again in two weeks this is vince drum and golf i'm out of here